Yeah, kid. Welcome, welcome everybody back to, I can't even say back to the first episode of the 3D Printed Authority. I'm your host, Charles Weirup, CEO of Printed Places. A little bit of background what Printed Places is. Printed Places is the first real estate development firm that specializes in 3D printed construction technology. So essentially we utilize SQ4D, the leader in 3D printed construction, in my opinion, in the world to 3D print houses, commercial properties, medical, industrial. And you're gonna see exactly where this goes. 2023 is when we start. We have a 25 lot sub subdivision in Riverhead. We're gonna be printing the largest 3D printed subdivision rental community in the world. We have a two-story townhouse development going up in Nassau County and a ton of projects slated for after that. So check out the podcast every week for extremely interesting guests like this gentleman right here. It's an absolute honor, Mr. Kevin Paul. Thank you. H2M. So for those of you who don't know, H2M is Long Island's largest architectural firm. They've been around how many years? Uh, it's going to be 90 years coming up. 500 plus employees, over 10 offices? Over 10 offices. You've been a senior partner over there for the last seven years. And kind of, that's a couple of years. Oh, okay. Been there seven years. And um, you, sir, got, you designed the first legally 3D printed house in the country. With, uh, you know, with the help of, of SQ4D uh, yes. and, and an amazing engineering team in-house, uh, we did. We actually, you know, uh, met with the team, Kirk and Enzo, and uh, with Town of Riverhead, and put together prior to the New York State Building Code codifying that particular type of design, mm -hmm. we were able to put it together and make sure it worked really, really well, which it did. So for those of you who haven't seen it, uh, the first three legally 3D printed house was in Riverhead. It's a three bedroom, two bathroom. And we actually 3D printed the forms, footings, foundation, slab on grade foundation, interior and exterior walls and put a roof truss system on. There's a ton of YouTube videos on it with the links down in the comments. You could definitely check that out. But before we get into actual 3D printing, I'd like to know just a little bit about your background so people understand what you were doing before, how you got into the 3D printing and where you see it going in the future. So, so briefly, 25 years in private practice, mm -hmm. uh, focusing mainly on residential, um, smaller scale type of things. Um, came to H2M to manage a, a build a back program after Hurricane Sandy, um, which continued kind of the same thing, uh, rebuilding, mitigating um, flood damaged homes across Staten Island, Brooklyn, Queens. Um, so a significant background in looking at what houses could and couldn't withstand. Mm. Uh, and the idea of the 3D printing, obviously there's been 3D printing around, you know, for a long time, but typically not for construction size projects, right? Yeah. Little things, little, little, little studies. And we've used them even in H2M for uh, small model studies, but typically on a very, very small scale. So the idea of being able to print relatively quickly a house that could withstand flood, fire, insects, wind, uh, really, exci really exciting to me. So when I heard about it, when I heard about it through SQ4D, um, I got really excited because this seems to be kind of like the answer to all the things I've been dealing with relative to um, fire and flood since, since the early 90s. Yeah, so we were talking offline before, and the construction industry has essentially been the same for 100 plus years. Thousands, right? You go back and look at the Romans and it's, Two posts and a, and a piece, piece of yeah. something, a piece of stone across the top. Um, I'm simplifying, but basically that's the basic idea. So yeah, in my opinion, this is this is the biggest, and would you agree, the biggest construction disruptor in without without hundreds doubt. hundreds of years. Without a doubt. Like, I try to put it in perspective and relate it to people. 
I'm like, the world will never ever be the same after this. This is essentially the computer for construction. It, it's it's that significant. Right. Right. Or kind of like the iPhone for construction because it literally will change the way people view um, how they live. It'll, it'll change changes the way they they anticipate how construction is going to occur, mm -hmm. uh, and then also it will simplify uh, their life moving forward, knowing that what we're building is you know is it's not a, a 25 or 30 or 40 year structure it's going to be a 100 year structure exactly so with that said talk a little bit about you know current construction methods you know issues that you have and then kind of compare them to what you see with you know 3d printed houses and how things move forward in the future you know i'm not sure people are aware but every three years new york state accepts adopts a new series of codes so every three years our codes change sometimes they change significantly sometimes just a little bit but every time we get a new code issue, um, it adds complexity to the way we build. Okay. And why do they do that? I, I'm not quite sure, other than certainly it's for the public safety. Okay. So let's, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll try not to be, you know, too sarcastic about this. Certainly it's for the public safety. <laughs> okay. Um, and that's that's paramount what we do because that's our responsibility as architects and engineers. We're we're here to protect the public. Um, however, you know, some of the things that they that they they make us do, and you've seen this over your career. You know, we didn't, we didn't strap houses in 1967. We yeah. didn't strap houses in 1997. We started strapping houses in 2003. Um, I've been working in industry for 35 years. You know, I've built homes that have seen multiple hurricanes, multiple windstorms, multiple floods. They're still there, okay? So while I understand strapping, um, there's another layer of complexity to the construction progress, okay, yeah. and process. So when we're talking about eliminating things like you know, tie downs because we have reinforcing going into our port, you know, printed footings. Um, shear walls that are actually the walls are already shear walls as they're built. They don't, I don't have to worry about nailing yeah. patterns and, and hold downs. And it simplifies a number of different things throughout the process, which speeds up construction, um, simplifies construction, uh, but doesn't really change the, the, the safety or the functionality and product. So yeah. that's really where, certainly we have to address all the code issues but they're not layers of things put onto the project. Mm. They're inherent in how we do it. Yeah. It makes a significant difference. Yeah, I mean, I think people really need to understand just every time I, I saw, so I have obviously TikTok, Instagram, tons of videos, millions of views, and people always ask very similar questions. The, the biggest question, ironically, is how do you hang something on the wall? <laughs> which you would never think but very very easy for those who are out there you just go zip it in it, it's it's not that difficult because right. the the mix has no aggregate it's just there's no aggregate and, and effectively it's you know if you live in a home that's you know got steel stud construction yeah it's there's no different you, know, you, don't, you don't nail into steel studs right like it's studs, you you screw you but yeah this is really um it's it's kind of an amazing material yeah because there's a significant amount of strength and it's so simple simple very simple. I think that's what people confuse. Um, it's simple. It's complicated in terms of getting to that simplicity, yeah. right? With the amount of equipment and the amount of software required. But the, the, the end result is effectively what we're used to seeing. And that's, yeah. I think, even with the first house, it was kind of critical that people could recognize it as something familiar in terms of a house. Yeah. So, I mean, and I have to really give credit to Enzo. I mean, he's, he's a genius and just the way he put this whole thing together. So other 3D printed companies that are trying to do what he's doing, they use a proprietary blend, which is a lot more expensive and has additives. And you essentially have to buy the mixture from them mm -hmm. where he just has a very simple Portland sand and water mixture, which you can get at any Home Depot anywhere. I'll segue that into building departments. Mm -hmm. So for all the, you know, the, 
the fanciness, it's essentially a concrete house. It's a concrete house. But building apartments has never seen this. Right. So talk a little bit about the process of you, you know, working with Brookhaven, working with Riverhead, getting them to understand and be confident that this house is going to last and there's not going to be any issue out there. Because a lot of people, a lot of people want to be the first, but when it comes to like building in municipalities, they don't want the liability of being the first. Right. So right. talk a little bit about that process. And so, so the towns, you know, obviously are concerned about health, safety, and and you know the durability of the material and the structure. Um, so our job is to actually show that it does meet certain code requirements relative to strength, right, uh, porosity, um, you know, how it works with reinforcing. So it's just really a series of studies, and SQ4D yeah. has provided us with a tremendous amount of information relative to ultimate breaking strength. Okay, um, and what happens to the material as it weathers. Um, what happens to, to, to over time? It's it's really trying to match up the information that the that the material produces to mm -hmm. what the code requires. Uh, and early on, it, there's a there's a portion of the code. It's a it's a mass wall which effectively covers things like um, straw bale homes, okay, or homes made out of reused old tires or they have that. log homes. Yes, um, uh, adobe homes. So it kind of initially falls into that, but it is it's basically it's a concrete. It's a concrete home. Yeah. Uh, and people um, do live even on Long Island. We have houses that were built out of concrete block as far back as the 20s and the 30s. So it's really analogous to that type of construction, except mm -hmm. those homes have no reinforcing them. They're basically yeah. just plain laid concrete. Um, this, these walls are always reinforced, and they provide um, just really crazy opportunity for insulation, for example. So we yeah. can get a, almost an R25 wall in concrete construction, which you can't do with the concrete block. Yeah. Can't do with a with a um, insulated concrete form, so it's it, it gives us a lot of opportunity to do some really nice stuff that's going to benefit the homeowner and also meet the code requirements. So for people that that don't really understand, explain a little bit more about R value, why that's important, and ultimately how you end up achieving some crazy R value with three D printing that every, you can't with traditional stuff. Right, every every home, every home, every building built in New York State has to meet the energy code requirements as set forth by the state. Mm -hmm. um, so houses, typically, if you're living in a, in a wood frame house with two by four walls, the best you're going to do is an R fifteen, yeah. and that's you know uh, bad insulation. You might be able to uh, with a spray foam uh, get that up to R, you know, nineteen or twenty. Mm -hmm. uh, and basically, the insulated quality is, you know, so your house stays cool in the summer, right, and warm in the winter, uh, and performs relative to how building science looks at houses. Yeah. And that's a whole other podcast um, in terms of how houses perform uh, in a climate like ours, which is really cold in the winter and really hot and, and wet in the summer. Mm -hmm. um, but we need to meet the requirements that are set forth by the state. Um, what's interesting with 3D printing is we literally have a wall that's made up of an outer outer layer and an inner layer mm -hmm. tied together by a series of reinforcing. And we fill the void with, with a, uh, it's called a ninoplast foam, which is a, it's a uh, injectable foam, but it doesn't expand like most people think yeah. foams expand. It kind of just sits in the wall, but it gives us, it fills every void, every nook and cranny, and it gives us a really, really good um, insulator. So it's a, it acts as a draft stop, as an insulator, a sound deadener. So it just, and we, you can't do that with a wood or a steel wall because yeah. You've got studs you that connect inside to outside every 16 or 24 inches. Um, this is a wall that doesn't connect yeah. other than the fact of, of a series of smaller um, pieces of reinforcing, uh, which really kind of assist in the idea of a thermal break, right? Mm -hmm. breaking the interior and outer, exterior and interior of the wall so you don't get that thermal transmission um, in or out, depending on what yeah. season you're in. So it's, and that's unique. Um, you could build two stud walls, 
Yeah. Um, that's really expensive. Well, that's the thing. And it's time consuming. So people understand the, the limitation is when you have a two by four, and the reason why people use two by four is it was the most cost effective way to, to build houses. Right. Although nothing's cost effective <laughs> anymore right now. Literally, my construction costs are going up like 15% a year. And it doesn't matter if wood comes down, something else is going up. But the limitation as far as insulating an R value and how energy efficient the house is, is, is basically the thickness of that, the depth of the two by four. Because right. you can only fill that wall with so much insulation. The cool thing about 3D printing, and I'll have the guys put in a little picture of the printer and the wall right behind me as I'm talking about this, is um, essentially you can make the void between the two, the inner and the outer wall, whatever you want it to be. Right. So you have one bead and it doesn't increase your cost. It increases your cost slightly in the sense that you'll have more spray foam insulation to fill that cavity with. But I mean, is it possible if you wanted to go crazy and get an R100 wall, could you do it? You could do that. Yeah. You could do that. Yes. So there's no limit there. And again, the cost isn't that much more. It's incremental based on it because the, the cost is the, is the insulation, the men and the equipment on site, mm -hmm. right? Once you're adding additional insulation, it's just the material cost itself, yeah. right? The labor is already there. So it's really, it, it opens up when you want to do something like if you wanted to do um, a massing wall, you could even increase the thickness of the print, mm -hmm. right? To absorb more heat, let's yeah. say, on the south side of a structure that you could then take and utilize to heat the house. Yeah. Um, where you, where you, in order to do that, you would need to change the wall thickness, change the parameters, change the nailing pattern. You know, with 3D printer, you just change the nozzle. Exactly. So it's just, once again, and that flexibility on site, you know, you don't have to stop everything for three or four days or three or four weeks yep. to redo and get approvals. And you, know, you just basically, you make the change because you understand what the, what the parameters and ramifications are. Yeah, so I want uh, the second biggest question we always get is related to cost. And I never address um, questions people one on one with cost because cost is, is obviously also directly related to where you are in the world or where you are in the country. We're in New York, which is one of the most expensive places in the country. Yes. So, you know, this saves uh, a, a ton of money. But in general, I want people to understand how the cost savings happens, especially as we refine the process more and more, which is what we're doing right now. Right. So, for example, like you touched on it before. What are what are all the things that you don't have in a 3D printed house that you'd have to purchase and, and install in a right. traditional? So so what's interesting is is if anybody has, who's listening has ever driven past or lived next to a standard construction site, mm. um, you've got generators running basically you know 12 hours a day. You've got material dumps of uh, two by fours, uh, two by sixes, lumber, roof trusses, insulation, all these things that are continual. Um, that don't occur, okay? So you don't have a framing crew banging, using nail guns for 30 or 40 days to frame the house, okay? If we're using roof trusses, the trusses will be delivered one day, they're up in two days and they start roofing. So that's not gonna change. But you're eliminating all of that labor, that noise, uh, the delivery trucks, you know, it minimizes the, the carbon footprint of the project overall because you're not running, you know, three or four um, different suppliers bringing three or four different types of materials to the job site. You have one piece of equipment with one or two men you know, monitoring yeah. what's going on. Yep. Um, and that's it. Yeah. So when you think about it, I think we identified 21 different, um, not I wouldn't call them trades, but 21 different things that have to happen on a job site that you don't mm -hmm. have to do yeah. if you're 3D printing. Yeah, I mean, so the one that we're completing right now in Islandia, it is basically, we use a roof truss system, but it is 3D printed in its raw form. So we kept that line look yep. on the interior and exterior, which I happen to really love. Mm -hmm. But when you look at the outside, you're thinking there's no siding. 
right? There's no uh, foam board insulation on the outside for the siding. There's no, you know, J channel. There's no nails. There's no Tyvek. There's no strapping. And then when you go inside, there's no sheet rocking. We even came up with a way on the floors where we're 3D printing the slab. Mm -hmm. So the last two inches, we're using like a, like a self leveler. Okay. And then we're polishing the floors with like a diamond tip pad okay. and we're turning them into polished concrete floors. The idea as we go through this process to refine it, we're gonna, we're, our next thing is we're gonna be taking out the molding around the doors because we're gonna be using barn doors. So this way we don't have to frame out the openings. We don't have to trim them and make sure they're perfect. Right. The, the idea is to kind of bring an industrial look which people in Brooklyn, like there's developers that pay big money for old buildings right. to have this kind of industrial look, industrial meets suburban type of look. And that's what we're building at a fraction of the cost and far less time. Yeah, and it's also what <clears throat> people get used to. So what they're used to, you know, when Levitt built Levittown, you, you had three models or four models. You didn't get to choose your door type. You didn't get to choose your trim type. You didn't get to choose. Um, if, if that stuff's not available, okay? Yeah. Um, it just changes the, the the kind of the dynamic of how the house works with the people who live there. Mm -hmm. And we've come to expect things like if we want fancy molding, we want fancy molding. But that has nothing to do with keeping you warm, right? Yeah. Uh, having a nice place to live. It's really more about how you feel about the place you're in. And mm -hmm. as you mentioned, when you look at these, the idea of lofts with, um, you know, minimalist finishes, um, it's actually pretty nice. It's less to take yeah. care of. Okay, it looks ah, great. Yeah. It's, it's easier to construct. Uh, it's just, you know, the things that we currently have, we currently have because when you go in, when you buy a, a house in an existing development, you buy what's there. Mm -hmm. You don't come in and say, I don't like that trim. I don't like those windows. I don't like those doors. Mm -hmm. Most of us who grew up in the suburbs, you know, didn't have the, the benefit of designing and building our own home to our specifications, yeah. right? So you get what you get. Um, so I think that there's a certain segment of, of the market that will have no trouble with that yeah. because it makes life really simple, really easy. And that's that's just like what, we're, what, we, what we get used to. I'm not a big trim guy. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just not a big trim guy. As an no, architect, I'm, I never was. I, 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 I like simple. Yeah. Modern Same. stuff is, is fine because it addresses the way we, we live. Who sits in their house and looks up at the crown trim all day? You know, I, I understand, but I, it's, yeah. it's just one of those things. So I think that if we got, especially today, people, you know, are doing so many more things uh, with their lives than, than sitting and, and, you know, being concerned about what the inside of the outside of the house looks like, mm -hmm. as long as it's aesthetically pleasing and it w works within context of the neighborhood, it's not offensive, um, we're out, we're doing stuff, yep. you know, so it's, I think it's, I think it's less, I think it's less critical. Mm -hmm. um, and it's also more exciting because we then, you know, we can use the material to its own benefit, okay, which is cleaner, simpler, yeah. and nicer. So talk to, again, the design that you did for the first one was was beautiful. It's it's an inline ranch type of setup. It looks like, you know, a ton of other inline ranches, right. but just with like a cool edge, obviously, because it was 3D printed. Talk a little bit to, because again, people don't don't really understand. So if you're talking to building departments across the country, if you're talking to contractors or homeowners or developers or people that would like to use the technology but are saying to themselves, you know, how good is it? How dependable is it um, as far as, you know, as far as concrete, mm -hmm. you know, what do you say to them? It's, it's really, it's a superior, it's a superior system. So um, once again, the idea of, of using wood is because we had wood and yeah. wood was the least expensive, the quickest, um, easy to ship by, by rail when they had to get to places. If you look at Europe, um, Europe ran out of wood hundreds of years ago. So almost all the construction everywhere in Europe winds up being concrete, even if it's a single family dwelling. So that in itself says a lot to, you know, you use the material that's best suited for you. And I think that, you know, we have issues with concrete and carbon footprint 
Um, but we're not we're not getting our concrete from concrete plants, yeah. you know, and shipping to the site in these huge trucks. It's typically proprietary at the site. Yeah. So it it's just yeah, concrete. If you th think about permanence, um, it's concrete. If you look at municipal buildings, they're made out of concrete. If yeah. you look at schools, they're made out of concrete. If you look at anything that the public finances, right, it's made out of concrete because the public doesn't want to have to keep repaying for buildings over time. Yeah. So historically, um, we have these really great, you know, if you look at early early American um, 16, 1700s, when, when the, the country first became developed, we built things out of wood because there was no concrete here, yeah. right? We cut down trees, built houses. There's some terrific, terrific examples of, of you know, early colonial houses up and down the Mid-Atlantic and, and in the Northeast. Um, but if also look at the look at this, the stuff that was built up in Newport, Rhode Island, that was concrete or concrete block or con or brick. Yeah. So certainly from per from a permanent standpoint, we like a material that doesn't rot because we have insects, doesn't burn because we have fire. Yeah. It's not susceptible to flood or high humidity. Um, it's you know concrete is kind of the perfect material. Yeah, I mean I I think concrete is probably next to water is probably the the most tested. Material without that, and there are examples of. I mean, look at the look at the the viaducts and aqueducts in Rome that are thousands of years old made yeah. of concrete. Yeah, um, I mean, so people understand we we and I didn't even truly understand because, again, for someone to tell you they're three D printing a house with a machine, you get it, but you don't really get it. Right. Even if you're someone that's built thousands of houses, you don't get it. You're like, are you? They're building it in pieces and they're in a factory and they're bringing it over. No, no. There's a machine, a giant gantry type setup, like you were saying before, mm -hmm. one of those little machines that 3D prints your phone case, right. but sitting on a lot, and it literally sits there and 3D prints from the footings all the way up all to the right walls, up. and and pretty soon we're gonna be doing roofs. Doing roofs, yes. So it's when we so this one has a roof truss system in Idlandia, and we put the insulation, we put the roof on, we put all the windows, and I'm in walking around in it the other day, and there's a busy road right there. Um, a bomb could go up outside. You can't hear anything in this yes. place you hit the wall like these houses. i always joke around i'm like what's going to last more longer 42 dean or the or the pyramids these places are built i mean we're talking anything from eight to nine thousand psi concrete so people right. understand and correct me if i'm wrong that is what they're building skyscrapers out of yeah once you get about four thousand psi which is standard you know your house foundation is is anywhere between 28 2800 and 3500 psi mm -hmm. so you're talking about double that strength um it's 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 actually it's unheard of because in residential construction there's there's no code requirement saying you have to use that strength of concrete, so this is kind of going above and beyond what's required, uh, because keeping in mind that the code is minimum right code is the minimum requirement, mm -hmm. so anytime that we can go beyond that, that's a benefit to the to the to the owner and to the, and to society as a whole because those homes you know there is a portion of the code about that that talks about property upkeep and maintenance yeah so even from that standpoint yeah no, no peely paint. You know, yeah. no, you know, as the house, as the concrete ages, it just might change color a little bit, get a little darker, but that's it. There's nothing else that has to be done to it. No sealers, no, and, and certainly if you want to change the color, you would paint it, but then you'd have to maintain that. But the idea of it kind of changes the way you live with your house. Yeah, the, the cool thing about technology like this is it's extremely versatile. So you can do a high-end minimalist, um, type of, of design. Yep. Like I was going to build one out in Bridgehampton before the market in the Hamptons just decided to go to hell. So I, I sold that and moved on. But on the other end of the spectrum, you could do, I mean, amazing for affordable housing. Yes. 
because you don't have to, you can cut costs so significantly. And then everything in between, the cost really is, it depends on what you want your finishes to look like right. and how crazy you want to go right. inside. But so people understand it can look exactly like a traditional house with sheetrock or you can just leave it the way it is. I'm curious to know, because obviously you're a creative person, you're a designer. How excited are you from a design standpoint? Because the machine has no limitations. Right. Curved walls, like whatever your mind can dream up, mm -hmm. you can you can print. It's it's really it's a, it's a little bit of a frustration, right? Because we, we have to make sure that, for example, now um, right now, so with print walls, we have roof trusses. I just can't wait to be. I can actually I can get that roof to come up, kind of print up. Yeah, and they do print. You can print flat and stand, right? Mm -hmm. So you and we've done that for years, tilt up construction. Um, but I, I really want to be able to print the entire thing from the ground up, yeah. right? Um, and that's a that's a that's an issue relative to material, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, setup strength. How fast is it going to dry? Yeah, you know, and the limitations of the machine. So we can design anything. The idea is to to try and make the best use of the material through the design, and that's that's it's exciting. It's going to be a challenge, and we're already playing with stuff like that. You know, you've seen if you see you see things that look like you know like like honeybee honeybee yeah, honeycomb yeah, yeah. things. Yeah. And, and which is great, but that's that's we know we can do that, right? Because yeah. the igloos have been around forever. So what what can we do that nobody thinks we can do? Yeah. And that's really kind of the challenge. And then from our standpoint as architects, how can we, you know, how can we make these structures really enhance the quality of your everyday life, right? You know, how can um, you know Winston Churchill said something about you know we form buildings and after that they form us. Mm. That's that's why I'm an architect. You know, when you're in the space, how is it beneficial to you? How does it make you feel? How does it make you think? How does it enhance the quality of your life? So we talk about it from the simplest terms, these concrete structures, but they're, you know, they're, they're really going to be homes, yeah. right? And the idea is that because the material is limitless, how do we design a limitless house, Yeah. right? Um, and, how, and you come home every day to a, a limitless house that has all the stuff that, that you could never dream of, but you, you get. Yeah. You get it in... Weeks, not years. Yeah, and and with that, we're looking at the different type of smart technology. Like Atlanti is getting solar panels. It's getting mm -hmm. a uh, water collection system that irrigates the lawn. Right. You know, we're looking into obviously doing radiant heat and different gray water systems. The coolest part is like when you're going to buy one of these houses, you can design it in, in virtual reality. Right. Did you sit and do the virtual reality thing? Yeah, we actually, actually now we actually have um, we're doing VR for our clients. Okay. So you know we can look at any project, any anything that's in development. And put you in the room. That's okay? amazing. And have you walk through and you know touch the table, touch the windows. I mean, not real, but it's, so. it's effectively it's actually it's 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 another thing that when somebody has difficulty visualizing something, yes, put the goggles on and you can literally you can see out the window down whatever road you want the house to be on. Yeah, um, it's actually pretty cool. When they, they when they put those goggles on me, I'm like. Oh, when this becomes mainstream, like no one's going to want to live in the real world. That's right. <laughs> like you can literally have anything you want uh, in life. It's crazy. So we've been talking a lot about residential houses specifically. I want to shift a little bit and talk about you know commercial construction, mm -hmm. how this can impact that. We've been having conversations with big developers for uh, industrial projects. This is the second industrial revolution. Right. Right. Industrials popping up all over the place, huge demand, trend, society, COVID changed everything, although it was changing before, but COVID really, you know, pressed the gas on that. Talk a little bit about, because I know a lot of people are doing tilt up and they're doing that, that prefab um, concrete. 
now imagine, you know, I talk about a little bit the difference between having a 150,000 square foot facility with four printers, one on each wall, printing mm -hmm. this building in 30 days. Yeah, because right now our biggest issue with um, those types of buildings is obviously the, the supply chain issues. Yeah. But when you're talking about even a, a steel prefab building, which, you know, which has always been kind of the simplest and quickest, quickest way of putting up a large structure, um, it's no longer simple and quick because of coordination and issues with availability of steel um, and also having people capable of erecting these things. Yeah. So when you think about a 100,000 or 200,000 square foot facility, you've got, you need multiple cranes to, to set the steel. You've got crazy amounts of foundations, okay, to kind of withstand that, that, that roof thrust and the, that those walls want to move out. So 3D printing eliminates all of that, yeah. okay, because we can actually design the wall to accept the thrust from the roof, you know, through the foundation. Um, it, once again, simplifies the job site. So from a safety standpoint, okay, you don't have cranes and huge pieces of steel swinging around with guys literally up 30, 40, 50 feet in the air, uh, fabricating and bolting things together. You've got 3D printed, and we can figure out the roof, roof system, it's even better. Yeah. But you can 3D print, get up there, we can lay out deck, print the, print the roof. Yep. Um, and you know, well, what I'm hoping is we get a proprietary mix that the print is the roof. So roofing manufacturers won't be happy but there won't be anybody up on the roof after it's printed because it'll effectively be, you know, a, a membrane roof as printed. Yeah. So the, the idea of simplifying once again, it's going to eliminate um, a lot of a lot of uh, labor. Um, but but really, these sites are dangerous sites. It's going to really really increase the level of safety on these sites. Yeah. Um, and and put the buildings up instead of waiting three or four years for approvals, we can get these things hopefully approved in two years and built in six months. Yeah. So. Um, once again, limit, limitless in terms of what we can do. Yeah, and that's the and, and I think what a lot of people, you know, I get a lot of uh, lashback um, on social media for people saying, you know, you're going to be taking jobs, you're going to be taking jobs, you're going to be taking jobs. I think what the general public doesn't understand is there's not enough people to do this type of work. Yeah, and not only are there not enough people, but for anybody who's in the trades over the past 15 or 20 years, uh, we've lost a significant amount of people with the right abilities. Yeah. So when you get people who want to train properly, you increase, you know, construction is an inherently dangerous business, as you know. Um, people get hurt every day. So if you can't train people properly, if you don't have the proper people coming up through the system as apprentices, um, it cripples the industry. Yep. And literally, that's what we're seeing now in terms of labor, the labor shortage. We can't get projects done because we can't get people to work on the projects. Yeah. So if you look at the home building industry, analogous to the car industry, okay, um, there are still people that work in automotive unions. They're, they're, they're now high tech, right? They have degrees in computer programming, they have degrees in exactly. industrial technology, and they're running the machines that do the building. They're not banging out a, a, a fender over a mold, okay? Like they did in the 20s and 30s. They're programming a machine that actually pops the fenders out, okay? Or the, the robots that do the welding and the, the, the housing and the construction industry will be no different. There'll be plenty of jobs yes. once we make the switch to the maintenance of the machines, the programming of the machines, the construction of the machines. Yep. Uh, and then effectively, once we can get our act together on site, there'll be more people doing site safety, okay, and supervision and less people doing the actual labor because that's an industrialized society. The idea is to eliminate the labor, yeah. right? Even though it didn't really didn't work for us, we're working just as hard, right? Yes. <laughs> um, but that's the idea. So I don't see an issue. You're right. Will the unions be upset? <clears throat> Absolutely. Will, the, will the, uh, the wood lobbyists be upset? Absolutely. They'll find a different a different way to go, yeah. right? So we won't be milling trees for two by fours, we're milling trees for interior furniture. 
Okay, we're milling trees for other things. Um, this is this is I think it's I think it's almost critical for the industry because you've seen what what's happened during the pandemic specifically with with yeah. um, material availability and, and the labor shortage. <clears throat> you can't buy a car because your computer chip won't come from Taiwan. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> that's that's what we're looking at. The same thing. You can't build buildings because we can't get the material. We can't get the labor. This this basically eliminates that and allows us to do what we need to do. I mean, there's, there's <clears throat> demographically tens of thousands of houses and, and rental units that we, we can't build. Yeah. Right. That are needed right now. For a number of different reasons. Like myself as a home builder, you have a market that's that's dropping, but you still have limited supply and you have the cost to build going up exponentially. Right. Even in this market, you're you're squishing. There, there's nothing in the middle, which makes it virtually impossible for someone like, like myself to to build houses and that's why we're somewhere between depending on who you talk to three to five million houses light across the country right right and and you see that in the in the in the you know for younger kids i have i have i have four children in that age bracket rents are crazy you know house housing prices are crazy yeah so it really limits your your ability to because salaries have not kept pace with inflation never right. mind with with housing costs um this is the answer to that because it effectively provides those units for people that need to be living. Forget about the things like homeless tents in Manhattan or New York City. You know, you can erect very quickly um, quality housing for people that don't have it available to them ever. Okay, at a fraction of the cost that we're currently doing right now. So once again, it's just it's it's such an especially when you look at the way society is now. It's such an exciting way to be able to take care of pretty much almost every segment of society um, without. You know, without really seriously, it, it, it doesn't exist yet, right? Yeah. Except in small pieces. So when you think about how you can scale this up to solve all those issues, like what what are we waiting for? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is like, and you deal with it with the towns with development all the time. It's in general human nature; people fear change, right? <clears throat> but as soon as they realize it and they adopt it, it just it spreads like wildfire. But I want people to imagine for a second the you know twenty years from now. You go into a real estate office, you sit down, you put 3D goggles on, all of a sudden you're in the street and in, in the street that you're going to live in and you're walking into your house and you're sitting down on the couch and you're customizing the colors, the square footage, even down to the furniture that you're going to buy. Right. And then three months later, you come back and a machine had, had basically 3D printed everything. Right. So I want to close out kind of talking about, you know, the future and all the exciting things that could happen with the technology as far as you know, the use of glass, like we were talking about before, as far as, you know, using recycled plastics and 3D printing interiors, where where could this go in the commercial and residential space over the next 20 plus years? You know, I, I look at, you look at things like, you know, we're printing, you know, walls, right? Next is going to be printing roofs, next to be printing complete um, building envelopes, okay? Why, we, why can't we print a bathtub, right? Why can't we print a vanity, a toilet bowl? Um, you know, we can certainly, we can, if you've, everybody's ever gone to a factory, like for example, Cola, where they make toilets, yeah. right? Cast iron tubs. There are guys that work in the shop and they literally, these are clay, they're vitreous china, so it's clay and they form them. They pop out of a mold and the guy kind of shaves a little bit. So they're really doing it exactly the same way it's been done for hundreds of years. Yeah. So why can't we, why can't that just be, why can't the bathroom, you know, the county requires us to have everything in the bathroom sanitary, which means you have to have an impermeable floor. You have to have, you know, a tile tile surround your tub. That whole area can be printed out of a material, right? Impervious, mm -hmm. the color of your choice, seamless. Yeah. That you can literally go in there with a hose, rinse it down once a week, and call it a day. Yep. Now, granted, you know, 
people like fancy tile. That's kind of the next step. But I, I envision you could literally print every single thing in the house. Yeah. Um, including the windows. Okay. If you look at a yeah. if you look at a typical vinyl window. Um, yeah. Once again, it's kind of, it's limitless. Yeah, and a big thing, obviously, landfills, the amount of, of waste that we produce as a society. Imagine taking glass and you know turning it into, into a fine sand that can be used in place of sand. Imagine taking bottles and recycling them right. and melting them down and printing doors and moldings and tubs and toilets and all that. You can have a house that's rated at like 75% post-consumer material, Yeah, which actually is actually pretty cool. Yeah. So... It's, you know, it is, it's, it's a very exciting time to be in construction. You know, I'm, I'm blessed to know you. I'm blessed to know Enzo. I'm really excited for what the next three to five years is going to bring. Like we were talking offline and, and you said perfectly so eloquently is this is, this is the iPhone construction. Yeah. Yeah. Except it's going to actually enhance our lives. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. My thumb hurts a lot now. I'm really worried about later on, uh, the possibility for arthritis, but you're uh, no, you're right. Uh, Mr. Paul, you're a gentleman. Thank you very much. Um, what you're doing for us or the industry. Thank you very much for coming and speaking to everybody. Uh, your wealth of knowledge. H2M, uh, amazing architecture firm. You guys do uh, a whole bunch of you know large projects for me, assisted living. I mean, you guys, just tell a little bit about what you guys do so people we know. We do, H2M does uh, does everything. H2M has uh, every, every discipline in-house. So from insurance, environmental, site civil, survey, mechanical, electrical, plumbing, structural, architectural, um, anything that's involved with the construction industry, we actually do in-house. Mm -hmm. um, we we do a lot. Um, you know, we build communities is kind of one of our, our, our taglines because we do. So anything you can imagine from the ground up, um, we've been involved with. Uh, we're very good at it. We've been doing it. It's going to be almost 90 years coming up. So very exciting place to work. Um, very involved in the community. Uh, we do a lot of give back stuff. The community might actually look at some of the some. That's why I'm so excited about some of the potential, you know, habitat houses, 3D printed yeah. habitat houses, 3D printed storm, you know, storm repair work, um, storm mitigation work. It's, uh, uh, and we're excited to be in the forefront of this. And we appreciate yeah. the, the, uh, our collaboration and cooperation. Absolutely. Um, we just, I'm just really looking forward to um, moving, moving ahead at, at, a, at a, as rapidly as we print, right? So... So if anybody out there is interested in 3D printing construction on the architecture side, obviously reach out to H2M and Mr. Paul. If anybody's interested in consulting or development, myself, Charles Weinraub, Printed Places, check us out on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, printedplaces.com. That's a wrap.